Amen. Can we put our hands together and give God a cheer this morning? Amen. Isn't he good? I said, isn't he good? Amen. You may be seated today. Amen. The Lord bless you. Good to see everyone here today. Great, great to see you. How many have just, uh, as you're singing and worshiping the Lord, you know, just certain things, certain, think of certain things and, uh, in our lives, but how many can say sometimes you just have to tell the enemy, I'm still standing. <laughs> Amen. I'm still here. <laughs> Amen. I'm not going to be moved, as David said. I'm going to stay here with the Lord. Amen. I'm not packing my bags and moving away from the kingdom. I'm staying here. Amen. How many through life's troubles and everything can lift your hand and say, I'm still here. Amen. I'm still believing God. I'm still trusting. I'm, I may not have uh, much, but I have everything in Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Some of us are billionaires backwards. Amen. Amen. Things may, may, may be going good. Amen. But I'm just so thankful this morning that because of what Jesus did and his word that works, amen, we can stand. Amen. When everything else is crumbling, we can stand on the word of God. Amen. I'm so thankful for that today. Uh, good to see everyone here and those who are joining us online. And I know there's several that aren't here today. They're uh, out and about and doing things, but they are joining us online. So we want to say a great big hello and God bless you and thanks for joining us. Uh, we're just excited about what's happening, of course, and always excited about the center and, and how God's uh, using the center and will use the center. And um, we're just really excited about that. Got a lot of updates coming coming up here at the OC and uh, a lot of things that are happening and changing and it really will be uh, kind of a reality this year and uh, I'm not going to throw out a date Brother Steve kind of won't like that uh, but that we will have the youth be meeting before the close of this year they will be relocating over to the center and having their meetings there and so we're excited about that and and also uh, the doors will be, or the you know the other rooms will be ready that we'll be able to have small groups there or uh, classes and prayer meetings and uh, and some good coffee and everything over there and some hanging out time over there so I'm excited about it right I'm excited about it yeah um, amen you know um, this weekend was uh, really kind of eventful um, you know sometimes as a pastor's life you you know on, on Friday night we had a, a, a wedding ceremony that, that we did it was very beautiful and uh, for George and Heather and and that was neat and then um, but uh, how many knows that life of a pastor you go from that and then Saturday we uh, attended um, the memorial service for Ray June and he was a long time member here and uh, just a wonderful wonderful man of God and a, and a uh, friend of our family for years and it was beautiful uh, the celebration of life service yesterday and uh, I, I'm just so thankful that God has so much better days for us ahead amen how many believe that better things are yet to come for us amen and that all your life as a Christian you can say that I'm gonna be with God amen I'm gonna be with Jesus amen and and uh, no matter what happens as Paul said whether in life or death amen I belong to God Amen. And so, uh, you know, we do that. And so we, our hearts and prayers go out to the June family today. And uh, we know that they're just such a great company of people, great believers. They have great faith. And so we believe that there's great comfort in their family today. Uh, amen. Yeah, I want to echo what uh, Brother Micah had said and really thank all the leaders and those who opened up their homes for Connection Group this summer. I think I 
visited almost all of them. I tried to, especially the ones with food. I wanted to be there. I think that was important, very important. Uh, that's priority right there. And uh, anyways, and uh, if they didn't have food, we asked about it, you know. I think, you know, cornhole food needs to go together. Anyways, so, but it was great, and, and uh, we're just so thankful for your willingness to do that this summer, and, and most of you kind of spent money, and you opened up your home, and, and uh, we're just so thankful for that. I, I met a lot of good people. Uh, a lot of, I met new people at some of these groups. I've never met them before. They were neighbors and friends, and and uh, I just, I thought that was neat. I, I met a, a lot of new people. So uh, God bless everybody for doing that. Amen. How many have your Bibles today? That's great. Okay. You can hold up your device. It's not, you know, I mean, it's a Bible. Yeah. Amen. Well, we want to turn in our Bibles to the very beginning today, to Genesis and uh, chapter 2. I want to start a series today, and uh, we're excited about it. You know, I thought about this. Last week I had announced what series I'm going to be starting, and uh, it's going to be talking about work and the blessings of work. And uh, I, I see this, maybe some people here because uh, I announced it. Maybe I should have said something like a prophetic conference on dreams and visions, angelic visitations, and we probably would have packed the house. And, uh, and, uh, we, but we said that four-letter word, work. Amen. But I want to just uh, bring out some principles today. And also in the next couple weeks, uh, I'm excited because uh, Brother Rick Douglas and I are going to be doing a podcast on this, uh, specifically about uh, teaching your children the principles of work and the blessings of work. And so we're going to be doing that. And how many know that work is so important, isn't it? And it's so uh, godly. And so many people think it's carnal to talk about this, and I'm taking the air out of the, the sails today. But I believe that this is God's principles. Amen. In Genesis chapter 2, I'm going to read this scripture, then we'll pray. In 2.15, I'm going to start in um, verse 15, chapter 2. The Bible says, And the Lord took the man, or Adam, and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. In chapter 3, if you uh, turn over to verse 17, he says this. He says, <clears throat> and, and unto Adam God said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of of your wife and has eaten the tree of the knowledge of good and evil as I commanded you you should not eat of it cursed is the ground for your sake in sorrow shall thou eat of it all the days of your life thorns also and thistles shall bring forth to thee I'm reading on the King James of course and to thee you also eat the herbs of the field in verse 19 and in the sweat of your face shall you eat bread till you return into the ground for where you came from from the dust you came from, and the dust you will return. And then in verse 23 it says, And therefore the Lord God sent him, or Adam, forth from the Garden of Eden to till the ground from where he was taken. The Bible says in verse 15 that the Lord put Adam right in the middle of the garden to work it and to take care of it. Lord, we just thank you for your word today. Your word is spirit. Your word is life. Your word is instruction. It is medicine. It is a treasure. It's like honey. As the prophet said, Lord, we thank you that your word brings life today. I pray that as we talk about your word and get into your word, that your word would get into us and that the, word, the life of the word would come alive today uh, because it is the power of your word and we believe all our hearts in it today. In Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. How many believe work is a blessing? Work is from the Lord. Work is a gift from God and, and a promise from God. And there is a blessing. How many know with every promise there is a blessing? Amen. How many love the blessings of the Lord? Proverbs chapter 10 verse 22 says, The blessing of the Lord, obedience unto God, and brought sin into the world, and it became broken, it became sinful. But how many are thankful today that when Jesus Christ died on the cross and redeemed us from death, hell, and the grave, amen, He restored everything. 
And when you're born again, God brings you back to the original intent. He brings you back to the original intent of relationship with Him. Is that right? He brings you back. The Bible says in Corinthians that He makes all things new. Amen. Is it new to Him? No. It's the original intent. It's what He intended, amen, from the very beginning. And how many know He created us to work? He created work. And we'll talk about this a little later. He didn't create work after the curse. This was before the curse. Amen. And so he created gender, he created marriage, he created family, and he created work, and he said it was good, it was very good, and he blessed it. Work is a blessing from the Lord. It's a gift from God. And work is so vital, it's so necessary for all life. God made it part of his design and his plan that every part of life had to have the principles of work, and the blessings of work uh, can come from these principles as we put it to our our lives. And so I want to read out of Ephesians chapter 4 verse 28. This is out of the NIV. It says, anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer. Aren't you glad? Amen. God doesn't want you to steal anymore. But must work doing something useful with their hands that they may, uh, something, they may have something to share with those in need. So anyone that is stealing must steal no more. That right there speaks of the redemption of Jesus, the forgiveness, but also it speaks of the conversion that happens, the transforming power of the gospel. How many know when, you know, if, you, if you're stealing before you got saved, God puts in your heart not to steal anymore. Amen? And, and, he, and, he, and in fact, He commands you not to steal. How many know what I'm talking about? And, and He says, you don't have to steal anymore. Why? Because you don't have to take somebody else's stuff. I'm going to give you your own stuff. You don't have to steal from people. You need to work for it. Amen? So He gives us this redemption and these principles in redemption about the blessings of work. A lot of us grew up and we remember the old sayings that we heard about work. Some of them, uh, remember years ago, we'd have the bumper stickers. That was a big thing. And everybody had a bumper. One of the most famous bumper stickers of all times was, I owe, I owe, so off to work I go. How many remember that one, right? And, and there's a couple of the sayings that we used to have is, work fascinates me. I love to stand around and watch it. I could do it for hours. I mean, think about that. Amen. How about, hard work may not kill me, but why take the chance? Right? So we, we know that. But you know, there's an old proverb that says this, that idle hands are the devil's workshop. Idle lips are his mouthpiece. I don't see that being a bumper sticker anytime soon, but it works, doesn't it, right? It's, an old, it's a bumper sticker that Solomon wrote, amen, he had on his chariot. And, uh, but you know, I, I got to be honest with you, in the last few years, I, I'd say in the last five years, I've heard a phrase more than any other phrase that I've heard from employers or from, um, you know, entrepreneurs and people working hard. I've heard one phrase from them, and especially in the last 18 months, and this is the phrase I've been hearing over and over and over again, Nobody wants to work. I've heard that over and over. How many have ever heard that? You've heard that? How many have said that in the last, right? right? You might have said that. Nobody wants to work. And it's not that they don't want the job. They don't want to work the job. They don't want to do the principles of work. And they don't want to work, right? How many have ever have said that, right? Or you work with somebody like that. They just don't want to work. And uh, recently, in fact, it was, yeah, it was two days ago, I was talking to somebody that had their own business and, and uh, a very successful business, and they said, you know, it just seems like more and more professionals really have lost the passion for excellence. They want to make the money, they want to get rich, they want the customers, but they lack the passion for excellence. How many know God's Word, 
amen, restores what is important to God. His design, His principles. And God restores the principles of work when we come to Him. And He restores the blessings of work. How many believe that? Amen. And I believe that God wants us to be an example to our generation of what it looks like to be good workers before the Lord. Amen. To be workers. How many believe that? Amen. You know, in fact, uh, many of the complaints that I've heard from secular business owners is that the worst people to hire are Christians. How many know it should be the best people to hire should be Christians? The best people. They should be like hunting you down, you know, uh, get, you know, you, you getting in line first for the job because of your reputation. And so I believe that everyone is working for what they want, not necessarily what they should be working for, but many of us are working for what we want. I say, well, no, that's not true. I really want a boat. No, you're working because you want to make money. You're working because you have to, but a lot of us are working for what we want. We're working because we have to. We're working. We think it's a necessary evil, and, but you know, it's a blessing to work. Amen? And uh, I really miss the, my, my biggest, uh, uh, kind of, a, I wouldn't say cheerleader on this one, and that is Brother Rick Douglas. He would be amening me right about now. But I'm sure he's watching and, and texting amen. But uh, if you know Brother Rick, he would definitely do that. But you know, if you look at our culture, I want to share some things about our culture. There's really four things that I see on the rise when it comes to this situation, this uh, topic. There's four things on the rise in our culture that are very interesting to me, and that is millionaires. You know, there's more millionaires that we've ever had before in America or whatever. In fact, there's more billionaires that we've ever had in America. I think I just read a statistic that it's every state in the United States, every state has at least one billionaire living in that state. So if you're listening to me, I want to meet you. I need to be friends with you. No, I'm just kidding. <clears throat> you know, and billionaires. Interesting? That's interesting, isn't it? More millionaires. And there's more homelessness than ever. There's more mental health issues that are related to work than ever before. And there's more single moms than ever before in our culture. And these are some things that we see that are on the rise in our culture. But I, I, I have to say that when it comes to our society, our society has a, a major problem because they reward dysfunction. Our society rewards fatherless homes. Our society rewards uh, promiscuity. It rewards unwanted children. It rewards that kind of living, that kind of thinking. How many believe that? How many have seen that? It rewards you. The more children you have out of wedlock, the more money you can get. The more, the more benefits you can get. In fact, if you have a husband in the home and you're trying to get a good job, you'll get penalized for it. How many know that's a struggle for people that are coming out of, in, in, through the reentry program from prison? It's hard because you, you, know, you, you, get, you don't want to get married and you want to commit yourself to that, but you're a father and you have children, but you know, it's almost as if you get penalized for trying to be a good dad these days. I don't know, that's just what I've seen. And so, uh, not always, but for the most part. But that's kind of what our society rewards. It rewards these things. And it rewards, you know, if you just want to be, uh, you know, have all kinds of women and men in your life and all kinds of kids and everything and be irresponsible well that's just kind of normal now and 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 you know and in fact we kind of applaud that and that's kind of in movies and in every you know that's just kind of it's, it's one to normalize dysfunction but how many know God's word puts back the original intent the original design and the original blessings that come with gender marriage homes fathers mothers and work amen do you believe that I believe that and also, one of the things that as I was kind of doing a little research, I found out that it doesn't matter what, what area or what avenue you look at our culture and our society and when it comes to poverty and especially, 
and uh, having to deal with single moms and women. Uh, you know, one of the things that every, every kind of, I want to say every um, uh, kind of a um, department or whatever, you know, really agrees on, whether you're from the left or from the right, whether you're, you know, it doesn't matter what you believe. One of the things, whether it's secular or Christian, one of the research and things they're finding out that there's a formula for avoiding poverty. Did you know that? There's three things that they teach and they believe. And if you look on whether it's Psychology Today or whatever these websites and some of these um, you know, uh, 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 articles, you'll see that there's three things that they say that uh, every, especially young women, should do to escape poverty and get to middle class. Number one, graduate high school. Number two, don't have kids before you're 20. And number three, get married before you have children. Now, that's, again, that's secular. It's not Christian, but everybody agrees that's the way to avoid poverty. That's the way because it usually takes you down a path of dependence and poverty and, and all these things. And, and, you know, unemployment really, and, and the Bible teaches us that unemployment brings depression. It brings anger, doesn't it? It brings uh, bad health, doesn't it? And it brings crime. When, when you have an area that has uh, increased unemployment, you always have increased in drug activity and crime and bad health and all these things, don't you? Right. Because there's principles to work. And there's a blessing when we work. Can anybody say amen? So there's blessings there. And you know, sometimes it's not a, a lack of jobs or it's not a lack of opportunity. It's a lack of work ethics. People just, when, when, again, when people say they don't want to work, they just don't have good work ethics. You know, they get a good job, a great job, has benefits and everything else. They don't want to get up that early. They don't want to work that long. You know, they want like three mental health days a week. They want, you know, they want to kind of like have a day that they bring their dog in and just sit there. And because, you know, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> How many know? It's not so much the opportunity. In fact, you know, I feel that there's more opportunity for disadvantaged individuals than ever before. I feel like we've done a great job and we still are doing that creating uh, jobs and opportunities for people, especially disadvantaged individuals. I believe there's so many and it's not that people don't, uh, can't, they just won't sometimes. Is that right? And I forget, a, a guy came in the church and he uh, gave and he said, look, my, my, I lost my job and I've been divorced and I have the kids and I don't have any, you know, and I need food today. I need food today and this and that. I said, well, there's other, you know, there's other ministries in town and we don't serve hot food and we don't give but we do have some dried goods at the time we had a food pantry we do have some dried goods and we went down and got him these things and he said you know what I don't want that stuff I said well you know there's soup kitchens he said I've already been there and he left and he was mad he wanted cash that's what he wanted he wanted money he didn't want to help his family he didn't want the food that he said how many know if you really want something you'll do it if you really want if you're really desperate if you really want survival you'll get it right but how many know that's what our society creates and that you can pick and choose and you can do that. So it's not a lack of opportunity. It's a lack of work ethics. And I believe today what I'm seeing and, and, and kind of is creating a problem in a culture without God is that it's more about feeling, fantasy and free lunch. I mean, I think that's just the pastor. I do everything in you know, alphabetical things. So, you know, it, it is, and it's just, and it, and it is, and it's just, I see that. It's like, man, if you, if you give out stuff that's free, it doesn't matter whether people need it. And, and you know, a lot of times, I, I've even done it myself. I've gone and, and bought groceries for, for people whose their cupboards are already full. They didn't need it. 
They just want the help. They just want the support. They just want people to give. They just, and how many know it's very hard to weed out, amen, when you're really trying to help people, trying to weed out people that really need help and people that just have greeds. It's very hard. But how many know, amen, God can help you, amen? And there's times where you just need to help people, whether they need it or not, and, and let God worry about the rest, amen? And um, we believe that. In Proverbs chapter 12, verse 11, it says, those who work their land will have abundant food, but those who chase fantasies have no sense. Wow. And so we don't want to raise children or be a, 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 a kind of a generation that just chase fantasies all the time. Amen. But actually get out and do the work. Amen. And be successful. And I believe that with more opportunities, one of the things I've seen is that with more opportunities to especially those that are disadvantaged and, and, and with those opportunities also comes more opportunities for abuse. In every system, in every culture, in every, every generation, there's always those who want to abuse. Uh, you know, whether it's generosity or a system, they want to abuse that. But you know, you can't help that sometimes. That's just the downfall of the human nature, right? Of our lower nature. But you know, one of the things I just wanted to say that years ago, and if you also do a study on when, when our government especially, and when we started having assistance programs and we started doing those things, you know, one of the things that you go back and it was really intended for, it was temporary uh, uh, use or emergency help. It was not to be a lifelong lifeline. It was not uh, intended to get you, it was intended to get you on your feet, not to prop you up. It was to be a source, not the source. Aren't you glad that when you come to the Lord, He's your source? I said He's your source. Amen. Jacob, in the midst of a famine, the Bible says, was blessed. Was ble had an abundance in the midst of famine because that's the nature of God. He wants to provide. No matter what's going on in your culture, whether it's booming or whether it's at a depression, God wants to provide. He wants to be your source. He wants to be the one that you look to. Come on, somebody. Amen. He wants to be the one that you say, I didn't do it. The government didn't do it. A boss didn't do it. God did it. He's my provider, and He teaches my hands to work. He gives me the privilege to work and the blessings of work. Amen. So in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 9, before that, a little bit, a couple verses before what we just read, it says, It is better to get your hands dirty and eat than to be too proud to work and starve. Amen. And today, I've also seen a fault there with our assistance. And of course, there's a lot of good things about it. But today, welfare really allows women to marry the government and men to abandon their responsibilities. And I believe that God wants to set things in order. I believe that God wants to set things straight. How many know that when the church begins to tell the world about what the gospel is and what the Bible says, they can be healed. They can be made right. They can come back to the original intent. They can, come on, they can be functional. They can be healed. They can be whole in their life. And so that's what we're uh, aiming for. Also, you know, in our culture, one of the things I couldn't avoid this, and I had to do a little research here and crunch some numbers, give you the numbers. But, you know, we have this thing and had it for some time, but we have this winning the lottery sports star, YouTuber, gamer for life ideology. Right? I do. Hope you're honest and say you do. You ever watch that show uh, about you know, people that won the lottery and all the things they bought? Have you ever watched that show? I, I, my wife and I were like, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen in the world. You paid $50,000 for 
you know, a, a, you know, a piece of paper. I mean, come on, you know, whatever it was. I mean, $100,000 for, you know, whatever, a, a lamp, you know, because it was in, you know, supposedly in Elvis's house at one time. I think all furniture, uh, you know, that is way overpriced used to be in Elvis's house. But, you know, think about it. I mean, that's the way it is. And, you know, how many have done that? And said, well, if I had the money, I would do this. How many have ever done that? Yeah. When I was a kid, I will never forget. You remember you used to get the JCPenney catalog, the Sears catalog? And I know teenagers that won't know what I'm talking about right now. But I want to focus on those who remember. Right? Okay. Those who remember. All right. You got the Sears catalog. That, that, the Christmas catalog was like that puppy was this thick. Right? And so I'd skip through the hardware, skip through the clothes, you get skip through all that, and you get to the toys, ah, toy section, right? And I forget as a kid, I just spent hours, I want that, 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 no, that's for my sister, I want that, 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 how many of you remember that? And you saw all those things on TV, and then you wanted that, and wanted that, and you know, why? Because it's just inbred that we want all these things for nothing. We, we want all these gifts, and we all know we want to win the lottery. We, we, we want something for nothing. We want bu- big money and little work. We want all the benefits and no effort. That's human nature, isn't it? And that's kind of cool when you get stuff like that, isn't it? As a kid, you know, you get money for Christmas. You get all this stuff for Christmas. And then when you get older, you've got to buy those things for other people. What a, what a really a, a letdown. That is such a letdown when you get married and you realize, now I've got to pay for everything, right? And that's part of growing up. But let me just talk to you about winning the lottery. 35% of Americans believe that winning the lottery is the only way that they're going to retire comfortably. The odds of winning the Powerball or Mega Millions are roughly 1 in 300 million. All right? So I think there's over 300 million people, just over 300 million people in America. So you're like one person in all of America. That's the chance of you winning the lottery. In fact, statistics tell us that you're more likely to fall out of bed, contract a flesh-eating bacteria, and be struck by lightning than win the lottery. Wow. How about being a sports star? Let's talk about the NBA. Of course, according to hoopsvibes.com, only three out of the 10,000 high school players go pro. I mean, it's, I mean it's, it's very, very, very slim margin. And yet, how many parents think, my, my, my child's going to go pro? I never be, I forget being in this meeting that uh, we were in a meeting about scholarships and they're talking about scholarships and sports scholarships for your children. And I'll never forget the guy said, look, how many, uh, you know, people believe that they're going to go pro? And everybody's like, yeah, I'm going to pro, whatever. And he's like, good luck. It's just maybe, maybe two people in your state. You know what I mean? I mean, that type thing. It was just real low numbers. And uh, just for the NFL, it's like there's roughly 100,000 college players and only 10% of high school players make it to college to play in, in college. And then college players to go pro, it really works out to be about like 0.2% of people, college players, play in the NFL. And the average age of an NFL player is around 25, 26 years old. When you get up to 30, unless you're the GOAT, okay, Tom Brady or whatever, you're not going to be playing much longer after 30 years old if you even make it that long, right? And how many shows and, and documentaries have you seen about people that were pro athletes and two years after being out of the NFL, they're broke. They're broke, right? Think about it. But your child is going to be a superstar. Amen. How about a YouTuber? I like this one. Because in the UK, they did a, a poll and they found out that one out of three children ages 7 to 16 said that they were going to grow up and be a YouTuber and live off YouTube. Great aspiration, right? All right. So 
a couple of you get what I'm going to these numbers I'm going to give you. So there's 120 billion videos on YouTube. That was as of yesterday. Probably a few more today. The 120 billion, not million, 120 billion videos. And only 37,000 of those videos cracked the 1 million view mark. Okay? That's real small. That's like 0.33, right? And it's real small. So here it is. According to Inc.com, you've got to have, in order to get paid and be a YouTuber, you've got to have 100 over, I mean, not 100, you've got to have 1.4 million views a month, okay, on average. It's on average. And, at, and then when you have 1.4 million viewers a month, uh, YouTube will pay you about $17,000 a year. Okay, according to the Social Security Administration.gov, the national average salary is $54,000. So good luck with that. Okay, well, there's more, right? There's more. Okay, so, okay, uh, for every 100,000 subscribers that you get on YouTube, you can average $12,000 for a sponsored post, right? So, okay, at best, you're going to make like 30 grand, right? You're going to make a living. So you've got to have, it works out to be like 2,000 in ad revenues and 1 million views a month. That's average. Now, now, that's, now that's just those numbers. That's not saying that your videos have to be good. You, you know, I remember talking to somebody and like, I'm going to be a YouTuber. And I was like, have you put out any videos? I put a couple out. And, and you watch them and they're like, this is terrible. Nobody's going to watch this, okay? Nobody, nobody's going to watch this. All right. It, it's just your dog, like, running around in circles. Okay. All right. So video games. You're going to be a gamer for life. Let's look at video games. Now, there are a few exceptions, I have to say, right at the onset. There are a few. There, there's a couple, you know, I, I believe, of course, everybody that's a gamer knows Ninja, $10 million a year, blah, blah, blah. There's another guy, and I had to write his name down because there's no way I would remember this, PewDiePie, okay? So he's $20 million a year. That's what he made, or actually in one year. Or whatever. So I did some research, found out that in order to be a professional gamer and to make any kind of money, you need to play ex at least 30 hours a week. You have to have 2,000 viewers monthly for a live streamer. And you have to be in the top 5% of the 150 million online gamers in order to make any money. And how do you make your money? You make your money by sponsors. That's if people like you and if you're good. That means you've got to beat... The, you know, be in these international contests, not Williamsport, like Cumming County. Okay, I beat this 60-year-old guy, you know, at Mario. Okay, got it. No, no, we're talking about the latest games. You got to, and here's the other kicker to that: only 0.1% make a living from video games. That's the reality, and they're. The average age is 23 years old. I mean, the, mo the max age is 23 to 25. The average age is around uh, 19 years old. So you got to start at 16. You got to play 30 hours a day. You got to have 2,000. You got to do all this stuff, and then you've got to beat like the top five international. You got to go into all these, and then maybe you can make some money. And then the one guy said, in fact, one of the guys that I mentioned earlier, he said, my advice to most kids is stick with your education and get a job. So. I hope that I, cru I didn't crush too many dreams today. And if you're 50, you really are hurting. <clears throat> Amen. So, you know, a few years ago, one of the things that God really put in our hearts, 
God really began to do something. It was supernatural the way it put together. And, you know, I kind of see it as a Joseph journey. God gives you a dream for what he wants to do in the future. And God knows the, the needs in our culture. How many believe that? God knows our needs, and he knows the future of our culture, and he knows the future. And years ago, God, a few years ago, God gave us the vision for River Valley Mission. And one of the things that we felt God wants us to do is God wants us to have a job and life skills program. Not just, you know, training people to work, and think, but life skills. You know, work ethics and working in family, raising families and being married and paying bills and, and finances. And so what, our vision there really is to teach job and life skills uh, together, both of those together, to break some of the destructive cycles in, in individuals' lives and in our culture, uh, in the brokenness and the generational dysfunction that's in our, in our culture. And also that we really believe that God wants us to restore dignity and self-respect through skills, through work. And I believe that we want to take people from a place of I need help to how can I help. How many know that's what God wants to do in our lives? God takes us from a place of I need help, I need God, and then he takes us to a place of how can I help. Amen? And so that's our vision. One of the things that we talk about it next, we'll be talking about it more next week, but we're just going to be talking about... Um, the job and life skills program and you know there's a lot of good programs out there and I've traveled to um, you know been in touch with many and have traveled to one in particular before COVID and I, there was a couple other ones I was, and, and they've got great programs and they've got great uh, things going on and we're gonna we're gonna gleam from them but God really wants to do something and I many people scratch their head and said well why do you want to do that right now and why do you why do you feel to do this and buy property and do all these things and I just, I just got to say, I, I can't help it. I just sense God wants to do something for the future. How many know when God called Joseph, he gave him a dream when he was very young. It was a radical dream. And it seemed like the dream was one-sided. It was just about his brothers bowing down to him and him being this daddy's favorite. But how many know God was interpreting that dream in a whole other way? It had something to do with the whole culture at one time. The whole, actually, the whole global economy crashed for seven years. And yet he was there at the right place at the right time. And then because of a vision God gave him when he was young. And sometimes God speaks to us and God gives us dreams and visions and ideas for something that he wants to do in the future. And we can't see that right now. And that's the way it is with the River Valley Mission. I just believe it's going to be huge. I believe it's going to be regional. I believe it's going to be something that we've never seen before. Not necessarily we're so special and we're reinventing the wheel, but this is something that God wants to do in this region, in this area, and I believe he wants to restore dignity, come on, self-respect, and family order back into people's lives. Amen. So in the next couple of weeks, I just want to share with you a few things. I want to share with you the blessings of work, the principles of work, the myths of work, the hindrance of work, and the goals of work. So we want to do that. And so I have a few minutes. I'm just going to start on the blessing and, and we'll end when I feel to end today. Anyways, many of you guys are like, oh Lord. But let's talk about the blessing. As we talked about in the very beginning, God created these things. God created gender, marriage, family, work. How many know if God, and of course the ecosystem, animal kingdom, he did all that. The real animal kingdom, um, not your neighbors. But you know, one of the things that we see is that God created these things. And how many know when God created something... He created it with a specific design in mind. And as long as that is running and operating or working in his system, it's blessed. It's blessed of God. It's something that God gets behind and says, and he keeps blessing and he keeps blessing from generation to generation. How many know God blesses marriages from generation to generation? 
Yes, He does. God blesses gender. He, he blesses it when we come into our role that He created us for. Amen. It's okay to say amen. Right. He created that. He created marriage. He created family. He created work. And so I think a lot of us believe that work was part of the curse. I have to say this right at the beginning because I'll never forget a few years ago when I talked about the job and life skills program and, and restoring work and dignity back into our culture and the principles of work. One guy came up to me after church and he said, well, you do know, Pastor Matt, that work was part of the curse. This is a guy who won the lottery, right? So this is a guy that's right there. And I thought, scratched my head, no, nah, I don't think it is all get back to you on that so as I read Genesis a little bit closer I realized a few things about it number one God created it before the curse as we read in verse 15 he put man in the middle of the garden to take care of it to work it to be responsible over its growth and development Adam was responsible to name all the animals and all the plants he, he how many know that's work he was the manager. God instituted management and all these things and leadership and all these wonderful things. God created it. And so it's not part of the curse. It was before the curse. Work came before the curse. I tried to use that one on my parents when I was a teenager, but it didn't work. God created before the curse. The ground was cursed. Notice that. It was the ground that was cursed. Before that, fruit grew automatically, naturally. God had it grow all the time. It just went through its normal cycle seasons. It was watered by God. It was seeded by God. Come on, how many know when God created everything, this is so cool, God created everything in maturity. Perfect maturity. He created man and women. Perfect maturity. How many know God's still taking us back there? That's where we're going, right? Perfect maturity. But... You know, no, no, seriously, all the, all the animals, everything was ready to breed, everything was ready to multiply, everything was ready to germinate because he had, the Bible says that he created fruit on the trees already. So everything was perfect maturity, but it was the ground that was cursed. And up until then, everything just kind of grew. And the ground wasn't cursed, but now it's cursed. How many know we've got to work the ground? That's what the Bible says. Get your hands dirty. You've got to work the ground. The third thing I see is that man was cursed, but not the animals, not gender. How many know God didn't curse gender? God didn't curse marriage, and He didn't curse family, and so we can say He didn't curse work. Amen. God continued to bless work after the fall. Notice that. He blessed work after the fall, didn't He? Amen. We can see that in Cain and Abel. God blessed it after the fall. And then the, the last thing I see about this is that it's part of the system that God created so everything can operate according to His design. So work was not part of the curse. Work was before it. Amen. But, you know, man fell, didn't we? And our ideology fell. Our, our mentality fell. Our nature, our desires fell. Everything that... So now we don't want to work for what we need to have. We want somebody else to work for it. We want, we want it to be free. We want it to be automatic. But how many know God, amen, wants... Come on, in our nature, He's given us that desire to work. And it's amazing. Work really needs to be viewed as a gift from God. You need to write that down. God, uh, work is viewed as a gift from God. And so it is from God. Therefore, as we said earlier, it is a gift. It is a promise. It is a blessing. Amen. Hallelujah. And so Ecclesi Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 12 and 13, and, and principles of work, Solomon writing to his son, uh, about work he wrote about women and work a lot and proverbs and ecclesiastes and one of the things he said in ecclesiastes 3 12 and 
13, he says, I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and do good while they live, that each of them may eat, drink, and find satisfaction in all their labor or work. This is the gift of God. He repeats that and says that a couple times. And one of the things that's very interesting is the blessings that God does and the blessings that come from work. Amen. Today. Well, I'm going to stop right there and we'll pick it up next week. But, you know, I just want to encourage you today that work isn't something that we need to look at and say, well, I owe, I owe, so it's off to work I go. But next week I want to talk to you about the blessings of work and how that we work is under the Lord. We, we don't just work you know, for a boss or for somebody, you know, and, and we want to also discuss in the next couple of weeks about the principles of work and raising your kids and teaching them work. But how many know that we work for life, amen, we work as under the Lord, but we work for life, and we don't allow work to be our life. God has given us so much, hasn't He? He's given us family, He's given us marriage, He's given us uh, all the blessings in this life, but one of the things He's given us today is the blessing of work. Amen? Do you believe, agree with that? Amen. The blessing of work. Can we stand on our feet today? Amen. Again, it's probably not the most hooping and hollering message I've ever preached. But I'm telling you, when I began to unpack this and began to get into God's word and realize this, there's so many good principles here. So many of you have learned work. And, you know, um, thinking of yesterday with the June family, Brother Ray was such a hard worker. And all of his children are extremely hard workers. How many know the Junes? You're right, you know the Junes. All of them are hard workers, all of them. And you know, that's a legacy. You leave a legacy for generations to come. This isn't about you buying you know, the most expensive toy. This isn't about you, uh, you know, being able to just kick back when you're old. That's great, God has a plan for that. God even gave us a, rest, a day of rest, didn't he? And that's great, but this is about generations to come. This is about people that we really care about and, and our children's children's children. And work is so much more than us, isn't it? Work is so much more than just today, isn't it? But work is of God, and it's a promise from the Lord. And how many believe that with every promise from God, there's a blessing? How many have lifted your hand to heaven and said, God's blessed me? God's blessed me in my work. God's blessed me in my family. Can we just thank the Lord and take a moment and say, Lord, I thank you for blessing me. Lord, not with just a good job or a job, Lord. And I may not even like my job, but I'm going to thank you today for blessing me with work, Lord. Thank you that I can bless my family and that I could retire and we can pay these bills off and, and all these things, Lord. Lord, you have given us, Lord, not just the wisdom, but the strength to, Lord, work. And I thank you for that today, Lord. For all of us, Lord, that are struggling and some of us have disabilities and some people aren't able to work and they really want to. And, Lord, I, I thank you, Lord, that they can do something for you. They're still valuable. They're, they're, Lord, they're just still, there's so many people that can do so many wonderful things. And I thank you for that today. Lord, I pray that you would bless every businessman, every businesswoman in this church. I pray that you would bless them. Bless them on every side. Bless their children. Bless their health. Bless their home, Lord and all the affairs that they do, Lord, and every inter, uh, interaction and transaction, Lord, I pray that you would bless them. Bless them, Lord, more than they can handle, Lord. As the Bible says, that let the windows of heaven open over their life, Lord. Bless them emotionally and spiritually and mentally, Lord. Bless them on every side. Lord, I pray that you would bless the hardworking fathers and mothers that provided for their children and sometimes two or three jobs. Lord, I pray that you would bless them with strength and grace and finances and all the things that they need. Let other people begin to bless them. 
because they have blessed their children. Lord, I thank you for that. I thank you for the legacy that I look around and I see that we have for our generation. We have something to give this culture. We have something to give this generation because of the blessings that you've given us through work. I give you all the praise and all the glory, Lord. And I thank you for what you're doing in our lives. I thank you for what you're doing in our church. Thank you for what you're doing in our city. It's marvelous in our eyes. And we will give you the glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. This morning, if you need prayer, we have a prayer team that come right down the front, right here to pray with you and talk with you, to love on you. If you're new with us today, someone will be waiting to meet you in the back to get to know you. And...